thanks to Josh. That's right. Josh, not Jason, from Hanakoa for joining us this Friday night to talk about brewing in Hawaii. We talk about the craft beer fan and their love towards the beer and new beers, how to brew between hype beers and what the brewer wants, and what the residents of the island want versus what the rest of the world and travelers to Hawaii want. And we end the show with a request for a new brew. Join us this week on episode 304 of the Better on Draft podcast. Whether your beer is in a bottle, can, or glass, kick back and relax. It's Better on Draft. And again, welcome everybody to episode 304 of the Better On Draft Podcast. My name is Ken. Thank you so much for joining me. I appreciate it. We are back in studio, the Zoom studio. I am here with my co-host, starting with Dan. Dan, hello. Hey, what's going on? What are you drinking? Going hard today. I've got a Partake Red. All right. And uh, speaking of going hard, Robert, what do you got over there? Oh, I've got myself a little bit of a mixed drink, which basically is the uh, Bundaberg ginger beer and a bottle of Kentucky 74. It's actually a non-alcoholic bourbon spirit. Wendy, apparently we did not get the message to uh, do some N.A. stuff. What are you drinking? Um, Well, I do have a 4.4% beer. It's the banana stand. Today's 13... Uh, beers of Halloween from Supernatural. Natural. Awesome. And for me, I am drinking, from what I've gathered, a 2018 bottle of Four Elf I picked up off the shelf. Uh, we're going to be talking about this bottle and uh, others during the news segment. If you're listening via the podcast, of course, the news segment gets released on Monday, which will be the 24th. 2022 at 7 a.m. So stay tuned for that. You can find us on all of our social medias. That's Better on Draft on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, Untapped. And now you can find us live 7 p.m. Eastern on twitch.tv forward slash Better on Draft or facebook.com forward slash Better on Draft. That's right. It's Better on Draft everything. Uh, I also have from the Missouri Brewers Guild uh, their Missouri Loves Company. Uh, which is an alt beer brewed in collaboration by a bunch of breweries from their guild. So I am excited to have that. Uh, But with us in studio all the way from California, an afternoon show for him. Uh, California. Go go west. Go west. Did I say California? Hawaii. Yes, you did. (laughs) Yeah, in Hawaii, it's okay. That's that's all right. I've only been doing this for 300-some-odd episodes. I'm still new. (laughs) Uh, From Hawaii, uh, Hanakoa Brewing. Jason, how are you? Josh. Josh, oh my God. <laughs> what are you doing? I have Jason on the screen too. Take yeah. the night off. Take you know, the night off. I, I, I am definitely not having a good day. Uh, I could just start it over and just be like, oh, nothing happened here. Everything was perfect. But you know what? I'm human. It's okay. Josh, how are you? It's all right. Welcome. Um, what are you drinking? Uh, I'm drinking uh, Party Boy. It's our Pilsner. Um, basically it's, it's just a 4.2% rice pilsner. There's a whole story behind it. If you guys want, I'll get into it later. Well, let's, let's kind of get into the beginning of the brewery. You guys are still fairly new in the game. You guys opened right before, uh, the world went to shit. Um, why don't you tell us a little bit about why you, uh, decided to open up a brewery out in Hawaii? So I was born and raised uh, on the island of Oahu. So that's where Waikiki is, Honolulu. Um, and then I went to school in uh, Northern California, like Central, like uh, Stockton. It's between Fresno and San Francisco. Um, and I was doing finance and marketing. Ended up uh, figuring out you didn't have to be 21 to make beer. So I started home brewing. <laughs> And then uh, after I got out of school, I realized I really liked it, got into the industry. And so I was working in the Bay Area as a brewer. And uh, in 2016, I took over as head brewer where I was at in uh, Pittsburgh, California. Um, people always get it confused, but it's like super remote. And uh, pretty much uh, the space that we're currently in opened up. And uh, so because of that, uh, my my dad and his business partner acquired it 
didn't know what they were going to do. And I was like, oh, well, you can make a kick-ass brewery with a space like that as a joke. And then they came back and was like, do you want to do this? And I had just started dating our director of operations, now my wife, Chrissy. Uh, and she was working for Ballast Point as their rep in the Bay Area at the time for the North Bay and the East Bay. And pretty much told me, like, I'd never work with a spouse. And now here we are. <laughs> um <laughs> But uh, it was a fun time. Uh, it basically started off just like as a random idea. And then Chrissy and I moved from the Bay Area to Oahu in November of 2017. Uh, and then we were able to break ground on this space in December of 2018. And then in June of 2019, we actually had our wedding reception here. And uh, to kind of put into perspective how like down to the wire it was, uh, the reception was on a Saturday. On Wednesday, we got water. Thursday, we got power. Friday, the bar top went in. And Saturday, people danced on top of the bar. <laughs> so, yeah. And really then just cutting it close. Yeah, it was, it was a lot. I don't recommend people open a business, get married in the same year, and get their first place together in the same year. <laughs> or at least move into their first place together in the same year. Definitely a lot of changes at once. And then COVID happened. And it was, Yeah. COVID was rough. Well, let's talk about that for a quick minute before I pass it off to some of my co-hosts. So we actually had Kim Brisson Lutz on the show uh, about a month, month and a half ago. And she was oh, talking cool. about, yeah, she was talking about uh, the change that they had to make because when you're brewing for tourists, you're brewing uh, different styles of beer, you're brewing for a different group. And with you over on Oahu, you've got about a million people in population there, but about 10 million visitors a year. How do you balance uh, brewing for tourists versus brewing for uh, the citizens of your island? Um, how do you go about making those decisions of what works and what doesn't? Um. You know, whenever we're approaching stuff, we don't normally think of what is going to be attractive to tourists versus what's going to be attractive to locals. We've kind of just focused on the things that we want to do. Um, we've really tried focusing on um, businesses and organizations that we want to collaborate with, whether it be for a beer that's going to benefit an outreach organization or it's just a business collaboration so that we can share um, you know, a visual space in the marketplace. Um, that was a cool rhyme. Um, but, uh, yeah. So, um, I think the difference is that with Maui brewing being, having a population of a high amount of visitors, like Garrett's really talked about this where, um, they have a significantly greater amount of staples because they have so many visitors coming and our business model, really, we only have free staples and we rotate a lot. Um, and part of the reason for the rotation was because I felt like the teams that I was, that I was trying to build or the team that I was trying to build would have more fun being able to do all these different styles. We explore a lot of different things. Um, and when it comes to tourism, we do have a high percentage of tourists that come in, but we do have a high amount of regulars as well. And being on Oahu, my goal is really been especially with some of the changes that are happening locally to try to make it so that the purchasing power of people that live here is greater than the people that are visiting here um so that you know i i just personally feel like you have a stronger business when you have um a greater local population because with covid what it taught us was that you know we can't rely on tourism things can go wrong and you know you have to be able to pivot on a dime Sorry, was that a little convoluted or <laughs> no, 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 that no. was great. That, that, that's perfect. Oh. Um, I, I noticed because you if you look at your entire tap list right now over on your website, uh, the, the words collaboration and the words benefit kind of pop up nearly every single brew that you guys do. Um, and there was one that uh, caught my eye. I don't think it's currently on tap, uh, but it was the shoots de boots. Um, what kind of oh, beer, yeah. what kind of beer was the shoots to boots and why was it important for you guys to brew that beer? So shoots to boots was our pink boots beer for, um, pink boots society, uh, which I mean, I'm sure most listeners know too. It's, it's an organization that works towards, uh, giving women in the beer industry opportunities, um, whether it be on the production side, front of house side or other, um, office positions and whatnot. Um, 
And so Yakima Chief does their blend every year. And so part of it is that you do this beer and then you donate the proceeds towards Pink Boots. And so it's a fun beer because the blend is always different. So we've kind of taken that blend and trying to do it as a hazy annually, um, just because it kind of tends to lean more towards that tropical fruity, not as much of a dank profile. And what's really great is that um, our lead brewer rocks basically like uh my right hand person it's funny our icons on the computer we share i'm dr evil and she's number two with the eye patch um but she's actually the um chapter president of pink boots for the state of hawaii and she for that day she organized a huge basically it ended up being a party it was something like 40 women in the brewery while we're doing this collab beer and it was like oh wow like it, it really was a crazy turnout and considering how small Oahu is and the fact that we even had people flying from out of town um some of the people that work for Kona came out um we actually had I don't know if you guys have heard of Ghost Town Brewing out of um Oakland California uh but they had some people that were out here and Justin who's there is a good friend of mine too so it was kind of funny they're like Justin told us you would like this one it's their all Nelson IPA I was like oh fuck yeah so <laughs> swearing's okay right we can swear on this Okay, cool. Oh, yeah, definitely. Sorry. No, don't, don't, don't apologize. You can swear. <laughs> so speaking of pink boots, I actually had the opportunity to try your guys' beer at the Beers, Beards, Beers Without Beards Festival in oh, May. No yeah. So and I, we fell in love, my friend and I did. So I just um, wanted to ask how you guys ended up in Maine, of all places, in Lake March. So, um, hop culture had posted about it and, uh, Chrissy just kind of like, you know, on a whim commented on it being like, this looks really great. Like, that's awesome. Like from the Hanakoa page and our friends at around the horn, um, out of like, basically right outside of Yosemite, uh, they commented below being like, you should invite these guys. And so then Hop Culture reached out and was like, hey, do you guys want to participate in this? And it's funny because Around the Horn is actually coming out next week for a collab. Um, so, yeah, it was uh, it was like a cool like, oh, wow, we're going to be invited to this festival. And then it kind of set in like, holy shit, how do I get beer to Maine? And uh, um, so I figured out a lot and uh, it surprisingly worked out really well. I basically found a connection to overnight beer to LA and then set up a truck to get beer out to Maine and then working with the distributor and trying to figure out all the TTB rules and the main rules and getting all that. And after that, I was like, okay, well, if we could get beer to Maine, I think we can get beer everywhere else if we needed to for any reason. Um, but it's been fun in that sense. Cause it's almost the, especially at that time too, because there's challenges of shipping with snowstorms and all this, but just going to that festival for uh, anybody else who might have gone that's listening. That was the best festival as a vendor. Um, all the guests were awesome. Nobody was like a high ABV chaser. Like nobody was like, oh, is that the girl beer or anything like that? And, <laughs> you know, even just the organization of the event. I mean, you know, the person that put it on, she had cleaning kegs on site. If anything needed uh, that with PBW and whatnot, they had a draft tech on site. So if anybody ran into problems, it was funny because we were supposed to have a jockey box there, but they couldn't source them. So they had these weird homebrew taps, which I'm sure Wendy, you saw at some of the booths. But uh, so what we did was we made a random connection with Oxbow and Oxbow lent us their jockey box. And then the dude also was like, you guys like weed? I was like, oh, yeah. And he's like, all right, here you go. Welcome to Maine. And I was like, sweet. <laughs> so then what I ended up doing during the intermission of between sessions was rolling joints for like some of the other breweries and just, and then the festival organizer, I gave her one that was like this long, just being like, Hey, thanks for everything. But um, yeah. And then uh, I don't know. It was just, it was a really good vibe. Everybody was really cool. And I just love the aspect of a festival where it was like, Hey, this is a safe space. You know, there was a really good reporting system and everybody was just really positive with each other. And it wasn't like a hype beast show off sort of thing. And, you know, I feel like some parts of beer culture have really taken the sneakerhead culture and taken it to a different level. And those are some of the extremes. 
but I like this and what it's growing into as far as like the, Hey, you know, this is what things could be like, and this is hopefully where they're going to end up. So I don't know. Sorry. I might've been a little long. No, that's okay. I totally agree with everything you said about the festival. I, as uh, somebody just going to enjoy the festival, I really enjoyed it. A lot of the same aspects that you were talking about. Um, I, we did fall in love with the party boy pills, so I can't wait to hear that story because I've actually heard it already. Um, but I think Dan had some questions. Yeah. So first off, Josh, I got to say, I love your brewery. I actually got referred to your brewery a few months ago when I was out there by the brewer of broken boundary. I had nowhere, no idea where to go. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, go check these guys out. I will say your parking sucks. So maybe because I don't know the area, but basically, yeah, walk down an alley after parking at somewhere else. But um, gotta say, absolutely love it. You make, especially your Baltic Porter is amazing. Um, but that brings me to oh, the cool. question that I have. Yeah. The Thunder Horse was probably my favorite Baltic Porter that I've ever had, uh, in all honesty. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, so I was out there during the height of COVID and, you know, Hawaii was really, you know, had a lot of restrictions, a lot of rules in place. What did you guys do to stay in business? I know a lot of places struggled out there. There were a lot of issues, even when we were there. Can you talk to us about what you did to get through that? Yeah, I mean, so um, so the first shutdown started in March, and we went to just doing to go only with crawler fills, and we quickly learned that that wasn't going to be able to keep us afloat, especially just like immediately opening, and it was a pretty decent investment to open. So we actually picked up a canning line um, from Micro Counter, who's actually out of Michigan. Um, great manufacturer for any brewers listening, if they're looking for good solutions, but, um, we, uh, started doing cans in June and we were allowed to reopen with restrictions and that was going pretty well. And so we started trying to do more frequent releases and we had another shutdown happen at the end of August, 2020. And that one was probably the most crippling. I mean, for the month of September, like I wasn't paying myself. Like basically everybody was laid off at that point. And then um, we were allowed to open in October. And we basically came to the conclusion that whenever we had a new beer release, we saw an increase in business. So from then on up until now, we have not, we've only had two weeks since then that we haven't had a new beer release. And that basically was the start of the whole business model of, having new things always come out and really trying to just keep people excited about what's going on. Because we found, I I personally feel as though that the market has gone to somewhat of a, um, what have you done for me lately? Or it's like Netflix where it's like you open it up and there's a new show. And so there's incentive to be like, this is new. I haven't seen it before. Um, so that's kind of where that business model came from for us. And then as 2021 came up, and just keeping up with the rules with all the restrictions that was incredibly stressful where it would be like you can do this okay now you can't do this and then going back and forth and back and forth and i'm just really grateful that now those aren't things that we have to worry about i mean we also had at one point what was called the vaccine passport so you had to be able to show your proof of vaccination so uh people could come in and i mean we were having people say you should just not do it and protest it because that's what a good business does. And I was like, you know what, man, I'm really just trying to keep people employed. (laughs) That was the main goal and trying to make sure that we could keep everything going. Um, And Chrissy being a wizard on social media had actually been able to talk to these people and then eventually inviting them to come in for a beer and have conversations about it. And so it was really interesting to kind of see her work that type of, you know, wizardry or witchcraft at that point to make that work. But I mean, I think, I think a lot of people who didn't work in industries that were, uh, had restrictions during COVID, like had a harder time understanding why certain things were the way they were. And it was pretty apparent in with some people. Yeah, I definitely saw that when I was out there. Um, people having meltdowns in the hotel because they were asked for their COVID vaccination card when 
You couldn't even get to the island at that point without it. Um, That's an interesting point you brought up about the uh, releases. That was actually happening. I was there. I'm like, oh, I guess we came on a good day. I didn't know it was weekly. Do you find yourself releasing the same types of beer every so often now because of that? Are you constantly coming up with new ideas? No, we continue to try to come out with new things. We've actually, as of recently, we've also tried figuring out what our schedule should look like as far as releases. So it's not like, yeah, for an entire month, all you came out with was an IPA. And um, the thing I'm most passionate about are loggers. And with Party Boy being a staple logger now, it's given us opportunities to do special projects around those. Um, and even with IPAs, we really try to focus on using never using the same hops in the beers that are coming within like the next six weeks so that we have variety also for the hazies especially um changing out the yeast as well so we do different runs on different yeast to create different profiles based on seasonality um and then also to try to make sure that our board is pretty diverse that we can fill the malt category the dark beer category sour experimental the ipa and then our staples and just some other random ones that we really want to do and it's stressful um and what i'm really grateful for is that you know now i have a a team behind me with very different philosophies and different experiences and we can all collaborate and give opportunities to each other to do their own beers or like create special projects so that we can have better innovation whereas during covid it really was all on me and i essentially worked in a vacuum where asking front of house what they thought not getting a brewer's perspective of like i think you should go in this direction and this is the technique to use kind of thing so i've always been the type that i want other people's perspectives to get a greater picture and i think now with this business model it's considerably less stressful to do that's amazing. I actually love hearing that because I always worry I hear that you're going to be releasing something every week. All right. Now, three weeks from now, it's going to be the same beer again or say a month from now. You know what I'm getting to because you do see yeah. that with a lot of places. Now, do you do any barrel aging there or not as of yet? We're actually so we've done some barrel aging. We did it on a budget. And the way we did it was um, and a lot of people can do this, too. Um So a lot of restaurants or bars will do barrel select programs with distilleries, primarily like in the bourbon industry. And, you know, when you get your barrel select, you also get the barrel that it was from. So we would make these agreements where, hey, give us the barrel. We'll see if we can fill it, if it's still usable, and then do something with that. And that was kind of cool. We've done a couple things with that. This for 2023 the big goal for it is actually building a barrel program. Uh, and we're working on it right now too with, um, there's a rum distillery uh, in central Oahu called Kohana Rum. And so we're working with them on what we can do there. Uh, and so I'm really excited. I'm hoping to really start moving into barley wine and uh, doing our Imperial style and going with that. And I don't, have you guys ever heard of private press out of Santa Cruz, California? I haven't. Um, no. They're a, um, so they're a really, they have a really cool business model with their barrel age product where it's very much, it's either just, just the barrel age beer with blends or there's one ingredient like cacao, uh, coffee or vanilla. And it's very much beer focused as far as the flavors that are driven. So I'm really hoping to build that with what we're doing. The other thing too, for our barley wine is we've kind of got, you know, the aspect of rum, we've got one t-shirt that was like a skull Island. So the malt that we're going to be using for our barley wine is crisp Chevalier malt. And that was the predominant variety of barley during the 19th century into the like early fifties. And so the goal is, well, this is what pirates probably would have had if they had gotten anything like this and it's kind of a cool malt from what i've experienced and so the goal right now is to also kind of look at well what were the ingredients that were being traded throughout that time you know what was also coming to hawaii at that time and trying to recreate or bring back like historical stories or like create storylines throughout all of that with these ingredients and make something that's got a lot of meat to it rather than just like here's some extra syrup for you with booze (laughs) <laughs> but honestly, there are a lot of barley wines out there that are doing 
it's it's crazy it's its own technique um even with the imperial stouts there's a lot to learn and a lot you can do with it i've i've done stuff where it's been like the pastry stout and i've seen a lot of other things associated with it it's not necessarily what i would choose to do all the time but there have been ideas that we've had that have worked like we did teddy grams and a lot and like cacao vanilla and some other stuff and it was really cool but personally that's not necessarily what i want to do but whenever we are looking at doing things i also look at well what does the public actually want because you know i might be here being like what do you mean you never heard of led zeppelin and they're just like no i only listen to t swift (laughs) (laughs) so that's the thing to kind of keep in mind i feel like is you know you there's we the my philosophy on the brewers uh on what we make here are we have beer that pays the bills we have beers that feed the hype and then we have beers that feed the brewer's souls so those special projects that we get to do as brewers is what we want and to excite people is what we're gonna try to focus on for 2023 and even our marketing team has been like yeah we can get people excited about that if you guys are excited about it that's great. Now, oh. speaking of barley wines, I'm going to pass it over to Rob here. That happens to be one of his favorite styles. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> Beyond a shadow of a doubt, it is definitely one of my favorite styles. Uh, I actually just had a, uh, a Bottle Logic Arcane Rituals uh, not too long ago, and that, that still is that's still my number one. Uh, but basically, I want to get into a, a couple of things here. Uh, recently, I just saw that uh, Hannah Cole won a, a medal for... Uh, I guess the bronze medal for best brew pub in the uh, 2022 uh, Haleina awards. Um, I was curious, what does it mean to you winning an award while only winning that award where it's, I guess, basically it's, it's an award that has been given out for, for decades and you guys winning that award after, you know, only being open for just under three years. I mean, it's, it's cool. It's really reassuring that, you know, we don't advertise to vote for us for any of those local things um you know and it it all just comes from people that are subscribing to that magazine and or not magazine but subscribing to uh those voting abilities i guess and so it it makes us feel really good that it's like hey we're doing something right people value what we're doing and without us trying to advertise it we are getting the recognition um and i mean you know locally those are awards that really help as far as getting people excited about stuff. Um, I mean, I'm sure you guys know it just finished, but the things that I, as a brewer, the things I want to get are GABF and world beer cup. Um, of course, but yeah, I mean, the local awards are really cool. Uh, honestly, Hawaii is interesting because we're so removed and remote that those awards, like, yes, they do mean something at the local level and that's great. But like one of the restaurants that we sell into and they're awesome people. It's a fet. They just won a James Beard award for their restaurant. It's a French American continental cuisine, but it's 85% farm to table. And Robin, who is the chef, she, uh, she's the first native Hawaiian to win the award in 19 years. And it was basically the Pacific award. So it was a big deal. And I think one thing I appreciate about that is that a lot of people don't realize there are a lot of things going on in the middle of nowhere. Cause let's be honest, Hawaii's in the middle of nowhere. Um, but it is something where, uh, as much as we win these local awards, a lot of us really do want national recognition because we want to prove that, you know, we're not just, you know, a place to go to to vacation it's like we're doing a lot out here and we're trying to do a lot so and i know that you guys uh submitted uh, a beer to gabf what 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 did you guys submit uh we submitted five beers we did um party boy uh our pilsner um rooftop which is our staple pale ale um an ipa for american ipa and then we went into hazy ipa category as well and then we did International Dark Lager with um, our take on a Schwartz beer. Um, and we didn't meddle anything. Uh, and we haven't gotten the results back as far as feedback. Uh, I mean, the one thing that did happen that was kind of cool is we entered Alpha King. Um, have you guys have heard of that? or 
Alpha King, yeah. isn't that um, the Three Floyds? Yeah, so yeah. Three Floyds puts on a competition during GABF with Yakima Chief Hops, um, where it's basically the beer has to be minimum 60 IBUs. Other than that, it just can't be a barley wine, so I'm sorry, Rob. Um, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's minimum that. And so uh, Radiant Beer uh, got gold and got the Alpha King crown um but we were we made the top 20 and i was actually at first i was kind of like oh whatever but then i was like actually that's not too bad because it's 150 entries and it's single and double competing against each other and i mean you look at the list and it's like we're next to like russian river and bear brewing and some other spots that are doing cool stuff and so like a lot of the times with those awards uh it's trying to figure out you know where do we stand in comparison to other people and what can we do to improve our processes so that we're more competitive in that sense? And I mean, honestly, awards don't necessarily mean your business is going to be successful, but from a pride standpoint and a competitive standpoint, it's what a lot of brewers that I uh, tend to talk to like really strive for because it's, it's that recognition and reassurance that it's like, yes, you, you won, like you did it. You're good. Yeah, and there's so. there's a there's a lot of breweries that are out there, you know, some that, that we have spoken to that we have asked about, and I knew that dog was gonna do that. Kamina, lay down. <laughs> um, that there were going to be that there's breweries out there that have won, and we've asked, was like, hey, how's it feel to win? You guys want to win again? And I, I kind of what what I half expect is for people to kind of have that Super Bowl mentality is that you know the greatest thing about winning is trying to win again. But it, it, it feels like sometimes you don't I don't really get that. And, you know, obviously, just like like you and many other breweries that that want to win um, it, I, I guess, for you, I guess, I guess, have that show, bring out that imagination. Like if you won, would would having that pride would that then like validate everything and then just, OK, I got one. I'm good. Or do you just want to keep on winning? Oh, I'd, I'd get addicted really quick. I I mean, we, so just to kind of uh, backpedal a little bit. So Hanakoa Brewing Company, the meaning, or Hanakoa, the way that we translate it for our business, because um, the literal translation doesn't work for Hawaiian, but it's uh, continuously working towards our craft. So the aspect of hearing like, you did everything right, you got it, is like, okay, we did. Let's keep going. Let's keep winning this. Let's keep winning this. Let's go. Like, what else can we do? I mean, honestly, if there was a beer that we got a medal for and we won, yeah, there's a chance I'd be like, yeah, let's do this one again and see if it wins again. But there's also a chance I'd be like, well, let's do something different and see if we can win again. And let's just try to keep doing that and try to just keep being experimental, trying to find new innovations, trying to find ways to improve our processes. Because I feel like, you know, there are a lot of breweries that really boomed in that 2000s. And the business model was just like, here's our staples and that's what we do. And that's all that you're going to get, really. And you look at them now and it's almost like, yeah, some of them are nationally distributed. Um, and, you know, I'm not talking about anybody that's in Hawaii, um, but, you know, somebody that's in the mainland. And you know, it's just kind of one of those things where it's like, I feel like as a brewer, you get complacent and you just go through the motions. And I don't want that for any of my staff because I feel like that's if you're not growing, you're dying. And it doesn't mean you're growing by expanding your production or your like your footprint on uh, on stuff. It's growing from like a, what you're doing on the quality side. And that's always been the focus here. We're not trying to just put tanks in and go as big as we can. It's like, we're going to grow as long as it takes to get to a certain production without changing the quality at every step. You, you made mention of, of two different things. And I feel like they're, they're a little bit contradictory um, because you're, you're talking about uh, creating your flagships, your beers, the, the beers that are your mainstays, but also you've mentioned that you're constantly pushing the envelope. You're bringing in new beers every single week. Um, and for, for someone like me, 
when I go to a brewery, obviously I want to try new things, but in the same sense, there are times where I want some level of consistency. I want to go to you and have, um, you know, the, the beers that you're, you're known for and not hope that they're on draft or I have to wait another, you know, six and a half months before they're coming back. And I follow this up because I've always said that the craft beer drinker is so, um, uh, they, they don't disloyal. Yeah. They, they don't follow, uh, they, they just looking for the new hot, whatever they could check into untapped next. Um, how do you balance like, uh, again, you, you said you have beers for you, beers for them, hype beers, all this stuff, but how do you really balance that, um, as as a brewer and I guess someone who wants to probably, you know, you probably want some consistency in your life. Yeah, I mean, so the three staple beers that we have are Party Boy, um, and then Rooftop, our Pale Ale, and then our uh, our Blonde Ale, which um, was called Break Time. I think we're rebranding it to Unbreakable. The whole story was we had a host that uh, a tree actually fell on her head and she's actually okay and but because of that, she lost her um, athletic scholarship. So we're using that beer to try to fund uh, the rest of her schooling. But um, yeah, so those three beers, like originally we weren't intending to always have like have any staples, but uh, the Blondale and Rooftop were really popular when we had opened. So we kept those going. In 2022, we basically brought Party Boy into the mix. And what we found with our outside sales program as it expanded to more restaurants rather than uh, craft beer focused places was that they were looking for the same thing. They wanted, I can always get it. It's always available. And we felt like with those beers and the price points we could offer, we were competitive with um, what else is being offered. And with our IPAs and our hazies, I just always feel like I wanted to do those as rotating so we could consistently, constantly experiment with new hop varieties, either ones that we haven't used or ones that we've like gone or gone away from. So the goal for our in-house stuff is to always have the styles consistently represented, but then have a different beer. And we've thought about like, should we do a staple IPA? Because there might be some regulars that want to just be able to rely on that and know like maybe I don't see any appeal in these new ones that came out and I can always fall back on this one and really the only reason we haven't done that with IPAs I mean part of it is because I contracted a shitload of different ones but um the other side of it too is that I feel like if we go and do a staple IPA we could lose the appeal for our rotating stuff and we would have to change the production volume significantly and it would make it more expensive. Um, does that make sense? Kind of as far as like the personal reasons why we don't do that um, or yeah, it's it's definitely interesting. And one of the things that I've had to come to terms with as a craft beer fan um, is that uh, one, not every like th- there are very limited breweries that will not. Now, I don't want to say cater to me, but cater to the person who doesn't like IPAs. Um, right. So if I walk into something like and, – and, and I've I've learned I need to accept this uh, – somewhere like Main Beer Co., where seven out of their ATAPs are going to be some type of IPA. It's perfectly fine. I understand it. That's what people go to Main Beer Co. for. It's not what I went there for, but that's what people go there for. But for mm-hmm. a brewery, like I want to see a, a decent amount of options, which I think you're providing – Uh, to everyone by making this, but I think it also feeds into the disloyalty of the craft beer customer because they're going to expect that now. They're not expecting Mm -hmm. your, your standards. They're expecting new shit every single week or every other week that they come in. Um, and I was just curious your thoughts on, you know, having to deal with that kind of customer, um, because I feel like that is a, a big mainstay in craft beer right now is that what can I check into untap that I've never had? Yeah, I think, you know, that whole thing of what have you done for me lately, I don't think it's going to be going away. And I think it's just kind of penetrated the culture in the United States in general for a lot of things. And so that's why it's so prominent across the board. Um, I mean, at times it does sound nice where it's like if we did 
have staples and that's mainly what we focused on, it would be considerably easier for us to focus on those from a production standpoint. But it it wouldn't make us as relevant to the population that is coming in here for the aspect of it is always like fresh and new and different sort of deal. And I mean, really with rooftop, like our pale ale, I, I don't know how it got to be so popular, especially with the outside sales, but it is a beer that all of us as brewers like, and we do have regulars of that sometimes like just what they get. Uh, and you know, I don't think I'm ever going to get rid of that. And if somebody's ever like, oh, are you going to do a rotating pale ale? I'm going to say, no, you should have rooftop because that beer is actually probably the most like mushy love story beer that we have on. Uh, I don't know if you guys want me to go into the story. I don't know what the time frame is like, but if you want the story, I'm happy to share it. We got time. Go for um, it. So Wendy, okay. Wendy is in approval. So she, she wins by majority. Go. Okay. So um, basically... Rooftop, uh, when so this whole idea for the brewery came up in the summer of 2016. And when my now wife and I started dating, we would um climb up to her rooftop in the Bay Area and watch sunsets and kind of sit on the roof like workaholics. And we were always drinking Grunion Pale Ale from Ballast Point, which is Mosaic and Calypso. And um, you know, we would have a lot of really intimate conversations and really got to know each other a lot up there and so when we were looking at what we want to do as a pale ale i was like well let's call it rooftop it means a lot it's the aspect of when you're i feel like whenever you're on a rooftop or you're at like the top floor of something it almost seems like you know the sky is really the limit and so we kind of put a tagline on there or tagline on there that says this beer is for the dreamers and you know the idea the label is actually right here so this is actually the can label. So it's basically Chrissy and I sitting on top of the brewery, which a lot of us actually do. Um, you can go on top of the roof at Hanakoa if you guys came out to visit. I would take you up there. Customers don't normally go up there. But uh, yeah, so it's just, it was kind of my love letter to that time that we had together where it's, uh, you know, it's heavily hopped with mosaic, a lot of different mosaic products actually. Um, and then it's just Pilsner, Vienna, Caramel, and then there's a little bit of Equinot T90 and Equinot Cryo Hop in there. They give it a little bit more of a um, dank sort of green mango aroma as well. Um, and it's one of my favorite beers. And a lot of it just has to do with the fact that it's because anytime we make that, it's like it's a reminder of, you know, those rooftop conversations. And it's grown to be a lot of different meaning for a lot of people that we've met along the way. Um, and part of our beer training program with our staff is that, you know, end of the day, after going through all the beers, it's having a 10 ounce of rooftop on the roof. So, yeah, sorry, that was long, but. <laughs> That's okay. Um, I actually had it. Uh, when do you have something? I was just going to say I'm a sucker for a good story, so. Oh, <laughs> I think we all are. Thanks. We all are. Um, I had a question just in, in terms of just overall volume in Hawaii. Um, now, I believe I heard that there are right now like 27 breweries that are in the state, uh, but that number had doubled in the last few years. Uh, I'm like, I, I'm curious, like, how much room do you think there is to expand before Hawaii is oversaturated? I mean, how many... How many breweries do you think the state can handle? Well, so right now, um, I think on Oahu, there are roughly, like, I think 12 breweries. And there's a couple that are planning to open up. Um, and then Outer Islands, there's a lot that are kind of popping up as well. Um, I really don't know what the saturation point is um, right now because... A lot of the breweries that are fairly established have are are mainly on with distributors. We're self-distributed and they've hit grocery stores. They're throughout the island chain. There's one brewery that's actually now planning to open up a 30 barrel um production facility. Um that's Honolulu Beer Works. And they they did five thousand barrels on a seven barrel system in one year. 
And that's pretty remarkable. Um, but I, I feel like the saturation point comes when so many people have opened up and it's almost as though if you're not relevant to the customer, then that's really when you're going to start to see breweries either scaling back or closing down. And I'm not sure what that point is for Hawaii. Personally, I actually want more breweries in the area that I'm in because whenever a new brewery is opened up in the area we're in, we've seen an increase in business. And I think the more in Hawaii that we can promote having local businesses and local breweries, the better off we're all going to be because it decentivizes mainland companies from distributing out here. We have heavy distribution from, you know, like, uh, Modern Times is a pretty big distributor out here, or a pretty big brand out here, or at least was. And then Sierra Nevada, but Sierra Nevada can distribute wherever they want out here. I love Ken Grossman. So that one's, I'm cool with that one. And then like New Belgium distributes out here heavily. So a lot of the bigger regional breweries come out here and then some of the West Coast breweries as well. But, you know, I just, I don't think, I always still fairly young as far as its craft customer i like to think like we're always usually like five years behind in a lot of stuff the joke is that you'll hear something on the radio here that was playing you know eight months ago when you're in california and it's new out here before the internet and like spotify and all that and you had to lime wire shit that was kind of <laughs> what it was my sister lived in the bay for a while and i go i'm like what song is this she's like you haven't heard this song and then i go home and then lime wire download it and then six months later it's on the radio i'm like the fuck is this <laughs> but, yeah so i don't know it's it's interesting because i actually look and see what's happening in the mainland to try to predict where things are going to go out here because it kind of just always follows that well it's pretty obvious that uh hawaii has a lot to offer what do you think it is that is um making hawaii's beer scene kind of thrive right now Honestly, I think there's a lot of local support. And I think the aspect of being able to see who's producing it and that connection is really where people are um, gaining a lot of that fulfillment. Um, one thing I like kind of think about is, you know, you see all these Netflix documentaries about restaurants and how when you go to visit there, you want to try that restaurant. And you might realize like, well, have I done that with my local restaurant? Or like, do I know these people? Is this something I can connect to? And I think that's a lot of where uh, breweries have an opportunity because, I mean, you know, we we do a lot of outreach. You know, we have opportunities to do these different events and be available in the public and be like, you can literally come and visit us. And, you know, whether it's tourism or just the local population, I think people really do want to have a genuine connection to something like you want to buy into it. It's not like, you know, the 90s where it's a faceless brand. It's, you know, now you really have to be uh, a, a stronger representative uh, for what you're doing. I don't know. That's some dumb. I don't know. Um, no, that makes but, sense. So I am a big traveler. I do at least one beer trip a year out of state. What, why should I come and visit your brewery? Well, one, you can come hang out on the roof and we'll hang out in the back and we'll play bocce keg. But uh, um, if you were coming out to Hawaii, like it's a really unique place in the world. Um, Hawaii was its own country. And there's so much history behind that. Um, there is a, a, a feeling and a vibe with everything that's happening out here. I mean, you can go to Waikiki, which is going to be a mix of Miami and the Vegas Strip, like as far as that type of atmosphere. Or you can go out to the complete country and really kind of see like, you know, this is that sort of relaxing moment sort of deal. And frankly... The food out here is awesome. The people out here are great. Um, and if you were to come down to this brewery, like you kind of get to see a lot of different aspects of how we built community. Um, you know, there are Easter eggs that are hidden throughout the brewery. I'm a huge Marvel and Star Wars nerd. 
So I like to try to build Easter eggs and everything. Um, and then, you know, just honestly, the beer is fucking good. Like, I, I don't like to boast a lot, but if I have to sell it, that's how I'd sell it. It's like, it's fucking good beer. And you, you're not going to waste your money trying it. And then, you know, just the people that work here too, like everybody's really nice. We actually just did a hazy where on it, it does incentive. It basically says like, ask your bartender, which, or ask our bartenders, which tiki bar, or like ask our staff, which tiki bar you like to go to. Cause we made basically a tiki style hazy, just with dry hop and thialized yeast and all this other stuff. Turned out great. <laughs> but uh, yeah. And trying to make it where it's like, it's interactive. And rather than being like, this is what TripAdvisor told me to do. It's like, well, this is what my server told me I should go check out. And it's not really listed anywhere. And you check it out and it's like, oh shit, this was a hidden gem. So, yeah. As we go to the end of the show, we like to ask one final question, each of us, to uh, uh, end the show on a high, happy, hoppy note. So we're going to start with Dan. Dan, what's your final question here for Josh? Yeah, so you've made a lot of beers with all the releases. What's one style of beer you haven't made yet that you're looking forward to trying to make? Um, we've done one barley wine. I'm really excited to do barley wine, but if there were ever an opportunity, I would love to do like spontaneous Lambic and go through that whole thing. Uh, I've actually talked to another brewery where we would call the beer Colambic <laughs> and try to do something like that. And is, is trying to persuade you into making an alt beer. Oh, I would love to make all beer. I love all beer. I've homebrewed all beers. Um, I've had the all beer I made as a homebrewer was called Minor Alterations. <laughs> yeah, Bazinga. Um, but uh, yeah, um, no, all beers are great. We're actually going to be doing a Kolsch with Cologne Ball with some friends here in a little bit. And it'll be with Nelson and Sabro Hops. I, I might have to wait for our, our little gift from you until that Kolsch, because I'm definitely a big fan of Kolsch. Uh, Rob, what's your final question? Um, So my final question, if I have this correctly, I believe Chrissy does not have your last name. Mm-hmm. So there is something that, that we have in common is that both of our, our spouses do not have our last names. Now, uh, firstly, shout out to, to my wife, Dina, who we just had her six year anniversary last week. Uh, oh, congratulations. Thank Aww. you. Um, but we had a, we had a deal that, um, she did not change it because it's hers and she's not getting rid of her last name. So is there a same deal or she just hasn't done it yet? Um, there's a lot of work in changing your last name <laughs> and uh you know it's it's something where like initially it was like yeah we'll go ahead and do this and we got married we came back we had to start opening the brewery and then eventually it was just like no <laughs> but um i don't know and then also too i mean you know there's always going to be things like you know behind the scenes of stuff but ultimately, one of the coolest things is, um, so Chrissy's grandmother, uh, Charlotte Penny, she was a really awesome person and a huge role model to Chrissy and really took care of her. And I think there's a lot to be carrying that name as well. And some of the things that she wants to do is things to make her grandmother proud. And so it makes me really happy when I see those moments that she feels like she is doing her grandmother proud or things where her grandma did it. She might not realize she did it. And I'm like, Oh, okay. Sharla. She's like, what? And I'm like, like your grandma. And you can just see her like kind of blush a little bit. It's like, cool. Like, I love those moments. Nice. Yeah. I I think with, with, with my wife, it's kind of the same that I'm I'm glad she kept it. (laughs) Wendy, what's your final question? So I am coming to visit your brewery this week. I'm not actually, we're pretending. Um, That would be awesome if I was, Uh, what beer should I try while I'm there? uh this week like as in like next week or like so yeah this this show next week this show comes out on saturday uh so pretend like somebody's listening to it monday and they're flying out there if you were coming in i would highly recommend you try the release that we have this week called tiny umbrellas it's basically a hazy ipa that's somewhat of a tiki style but it literally tastes like you're drinking a tiki cocktail and Spoken from experience, it's a fun time. 
um, <laughs> to go a marathon on them. Uh, but uh, other than that, I would always highly recommend everybody have a party boy. Um, it's also really fun if you get it in a can because you. Oh, this one was just a little. It was to what see, got but, our attention. Uh, well, actually, if you come to the brewery, we serve it off of a lucre faucet on a side pole, and it's awesome. But if you get it in the can, you can uh, shotgun it right there, and it's a good time. There's a little bang emoji, and in Japanese, in hiragana, it says insert key here. Um, so, yeah, it's a fun beer. Um, and then it's basically this is the front of the label. Yeah. Um, now I'm like covered in tape and I'm so sorry. This is a little bit more scattered. I'm just going to do that. Well, for those of you that are listening to the show, obviously you can check us out on our YouTube page, youtube.com forward slash better on draft to see all those labels. Uh, my final question. First, I have a statement. Um, we made the suggestion to Kim Briston Lutz over at Maui Brewing. And I feel like maybe this is a great time for a collaboration uh, here in Michigan. Uh, we had a beer up in right brain brewing called Magnalista pig Porter which was uh, made a porter made with Magnalista pig heads and bones. Now, Hawaii is known for their uh, pork delicacy, also known as Spam. I would love for you guys to make a collaboration, Maui Hanakoa, Spam Porter. Come on. Come on. You're... you're... I still have a Did I break him? I don't know. I I feel like... Just... uh... Just really thinking about me going to Kim and literally being like, hey, Kim, you want to throw spam into the kettle? <laughs> Just see. The- here's here's the thing is it won't be the first time she's heard it. I made this suggestion to her when she was on the show a month and a half ago. So now oh that we God. have two Hawaiian brewers on here, you guys can collab. I, I feel like this is a winning formula. And I mean, it did win them a, a gold medal at GABF for uh, best experimental beer. Uh, so maybe... Uh, I mean, this was 11 years ago, and the craft beer industry was a lot different 11 years ago, but I feel like you guys could do something there. Um, Number two, uh, and this is something that I'm canceling my original question to ask you because uh, the way your video is, again, youtube.com forward slash better on draft, or if you're listening live, twitch.tv forward slash better on draft, you have the rat magnet shirt on. Oh, yeah. Um, why don't you tell me, uh, from your experience, why you purchased that shirt? Um, the whole industry right now, I think is a lot better off because this happened. Um, you know, it's, it's funny how somebody doing something without any expectations created an entire reckoning. I mean, some of the people that were mentioned, I've had experiences with, and one of which, like, I even tried talking to about this stuff and just realized this is going to go nowhere. And I just don't want to support those types of people. Um, And I love what all of this stands for. Um, And I think it's hard, too, because during that time frame, you know, you got, like, all together was, like, the first one that really started a lot of just these initiative beers, uh amongst breweries like at a scale that hadn't really been seen before and you know this is definitely one of those initiative beers where you have to provide a code of conduct you have to stand by what you're going to do this isn't just you know like putting a rainbow up for your uh for your icon because it's pride month it's like no you have to hold yourself to these to these rules and you know we built this place because we wanted our staff to feel that they're appreciated and that they're more than just a worker here. Um, like we try to check in with them as much as we can. And also if somebody's being an asshole, they don't get to be an asshole. Like it's a mutual business exchange. So if people aren't behaving, then they don't get to have what we're making. That's just the bottom line. And I think there's been a perpetuation amongst restaurant industry that it's like the customer gets to do whatever they want and they can cry and complain like a child and get it and i'm like fuck that <laughs> that sucked when i was doing it so we're not going to do that here and it's kind of been working it's weird what happens when you actually treat people like adults 
It's interesting that Sorry. you bring up. No, 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 no. That's that's the kind of answer that we're looking for. I haven't been. So I worked in restaurant point of sales. So I was in restaurants all over the country for a good six years um, and learning that the customer is not always right um, is is something that I think a lot of us had to as as industry people. Um, learn and adjust because you never wanted confrontation, but sooner or later you were getting abused to the point where uh, you shouldn't have to take it. Um, and the managers were always trying to be the, 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 the best of good and evil, you know, making everyone happy, you know, appeasing the customer while they're there and then appeasing the employee later. Uh, sooner or later, there's no reason to appease the customer. Um, yeah. So uh, Hannah Koa, uh, are you guys, where, where can we find you guys? Are you guys Hawaii only? Do you guys distro? Are you through Tavor? Um, where can we get it? Or do we have to come all the way to Hawaii and, uh, um, to see you guys? You guys won't have to come to Hawaii. I'll send out this beer, but, uh, I'm referring to the yeah. rest of the, the, yeah, the rest of everybody, they're probably going to have to, um, come out to Oahu. We don't distribute beyond this Island. Um, but we are in, uh, as far as like package to go product, we're also in a bunch of different um, smaller liquor stores and bottle shops. Um, we're in a, a bunch of different restaurants out here as well. Uh, and then if anybody does want to come down and check out the brewery, it's definitely a fun experience. It's a cool atmosphere. So, yeah, that's what I'd recommend for people. But what about there is a uh, chance- bigger, bigger festivals? Beers without beards. Obviously, you guys were in Portland, Maine. Should there- we see you maybe at uh, Extreme Beer Fest or uh, CBC? Uh, if we get invited to go to those things, there are chances that we'll go. I mean, it's part of, we just recently did a tap takeover at some Bay area accounts uh, in September, and we might be trying to do something like that in Seattle. Honestly, part of our business model too, has been doing like a band on tour, so to speak. So we go to a city, do collabs, do tap takeovers, and then, you know, sort of dip out. And it's like, Hey, if you haven't heard of us, here's this and opportunities to learn and opportunities to get to meet people too. So, yeah. Well, that will do it for this episode 304 of the Better on Draft podcast. Of course, we are on all the social medias, Better on Draft, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, Twitch, and Untapped. No matter what you think of your beer, we think it's Better on Draft. Have a good night. Ahuiho.